0: Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome listeners to your Monday old time radio remaster, continuing the series of the adventures of Philip Marlowe, the detective who's constantly sticking his neck out for those around him and keeping his wits about him. Today, Philip investigates the death of a jazz musician, finding him dead in his silk yellow pajamas join me mates for a newly remastered episode of old timiness proportions this one was a bit on the difficult side but i still think it holds up so turn the sound up get real cozy and let's enjoy this old time radio drama
1: For the safety of your smile, use Pepsodent twice a day, see your dentist twice a year. Lever Brothers Company presents the Pepsodent program, The Adventures of Philip Marlowe, starring Van Heflin. Philip Marlowe, the famous private detective of Murder, My Sweet, and The Lady in the Lake. Created by Raymond Chandler. Brought to you on the air by Pepsodent. And starring MGM's dynamic young actor, Van Heflin. Now, families all over America have named their favorite toothpaste. New Pepsodent with Irium. New, fresh-tasting Pepsodent with a new, cool, minty flavor. It's preferred 3 to 1 over any other toothpaste.
2: It's true. With families all over America, New Pepsodent is a favorite 3 to 1.
1: Families from coast to coast recently compared New Pepsodent with the toothpaste they were using at home. They preferred New Pepsodent by an overwhelming average of 3 to 1 over any other brand they tried. These families 3 to 1 said New Pepsodent tastes better, makes breath cleaner, makes teeth brighter.
2: Yes, families three to one say new Pepsodent tastes better, makes breath cleaner, makes teeth brighter.
1: Get new Pepsodent toothpaste for your family right away. Now, Van Heflin in the adventures of Philip Marlowe.
3: Hollywood after midnight is like any other city after midnight. Night moves in and the city becomes hushed and stealthy. The nightclubs close up one by one, but now and then the police whistle and the prowl car sirens serenade the sleeper. If you've got any copping at all, you get on edge and you have to get dressed and go out and walk it off to relax. I was relaxing past the Swank Carlton Hotel on the Sunset Strip about 1 a.m., when all of a sudden, recess was over.
2: Hey, Marlowe. Hmm? That you, Marlowe?
3: It was George Millar, the quiet-spoken night clerk of the Carlton, hailing me from the doorway, probably to mucho Melocrino. No, I was wrong. Hey, look, Marlowe. Uh, you're very busy right now? Why, Miram? If I may be as cagey as all that. What's in trouble me? the eighth floor? Where's Curly, your fearless house deck? Tonight he has to have a hangover. What's the beef on the floor eight? King party? You know? Him? King Leopardi? Oh, that's the sweetest trumpet beside a Gabriel. Is he tending here tonight? He's in the corridor on the eighth floor, dressed in yellow pajamas and his trumpet. <laughs> There's a girl with him, and they put him on a jam session. I well, suppose the king rejects my diplomatic notes. Well, uh, Get rough, but only if you have. Say, thanks. But a guy with such an ear for music got to listen to reason. All right, I'll be down five minutes more.
2: Hey, hey, King. Hey, King, that's all, boy. Mellow King and Yellow Mo
3: more, All more, 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 right, King, the party's over. Hey! Were you addressing me, peasant? I said, wrap it up, can it? Put it on ice. The show is over. Ha! Ah.
2: Conk him, King. King Kong! That's what he is. King Kong. Let him have it, King.
3: Then fair to a nosy house dick. As follows. <laughs> All right, now look, yellow <laughs> pants, wrap up your bugle and buzz off. Now hit the grit. Oh. You're tougher than a 40 cent steak, aren't you? Well, this will make it soft and tender. Here,
2: yeah. get boy King. Get him again for me. Right,
3: hit me with that trumpet, will you? Take hey, King.
2: Ooh.
3: Come on, get up, get dressed, and get out.
2: How can he? He's out cold.
3: I'll be glad to pack for him, and you get back to your room. Too. Listen, Copper, I don't have to do get anything. Get
1: going, sister. Come on, jump.
3: The door of the room 815 was ajar. I went in and began tossing a lot of that yellow silk that the king liked so well into his suitcases. Something at the small desk stopped me. Tucked under the corner of the desk blotter was a note. It was assembled from words and letters cut out of newspapers and pasted on a telegraph blank. It said, Ten grand by Thursday night, meal Party, or else. Her brother... I slipped the note in my pocket and went out in the corridor just as the king staggered past me into his room. I could get an infection from the dirty look he gave me as he slammed the door after him. The door two suites away opened a crack and then shut again very quickly. I went over and knocked. Beat it,
1: Cowper, I want to talk to you. I want to hear from you. Okay, here I come, sister.
2: Ready or not? I'll oh, blow you down. So help me,
3: I'll let you have it. Lay that pistol down, babe. Come on, out come on. You
2: pick up weight you didn't count on. And what
3: would the little girl be doing with a twenty-five automatic? I wonder.
2: A girl needs protection with insects like <laughs> you around.
3: Look, what's your name?
2: Little Bo Peep.
3: Okay, but well, what does Little Boy Blue with a horn mean to you?
2: I admire his work. Do you
3: know King Lear no. What are you doing in a place like this? I can tell you, you can't afford it. What's your angle? I want a soap contest. All right, baby, you want it that way. What are you going to do? And we'll make a phone call. It won't cost you a nickel. Hello, Desk? Millar? It's Marlowe. I'm calling for the lady in room 811. He's checking out. I had a little trouble up there, Millar. Your two noisy guests will be checking out any minute. Okay? Oh, well, uh hate the things to happen on my shift. You well, know, the king bopped me with his bugle, and the girl had a gun. Gee, nice people. Yeah, how come you put a floozy like that girl so close to the king?
1: Well, oh, I didn't. Another thing. The day man did.
3: Look, there was a receipt for rent to Miss Marilyn Delorme on the telephone table in her room. Well, that wasn't the name she gave Quill. Apartment 211, Ridgeland Apartments, Cord Street, L.A. She lives right in town in a cheap neighborhood, but she checks in here at a price she can't afford and gives a phony name. Now, why? Why? Ford Street, where Marilyn DeLorme lived, was Old Town, Bottie Town, Crooktown. It was afternoon when I got off the cogwheel car that climbs the steep hill to where the Richland apartment sat on the top of Bunker Hill. I went up dim, dusty stairs to apartment 211 and I tapped on the door. There was no answer, so I tried the door. It was unlocked. The room inside was dim with stagnant gloom. Marilyn Delorme was in I didn't talk to her though. I didn't think she'd want to make much conversation with those blue bruises about her throat where she'd been strangled I got out of there fast working off doorknobs like Uriah polishing apples for his boss I found King Leopardi at his job at the Club Belvedere. He was relaxing at a table in the bar with a kind of a girl commonly referred to as a knockout. She looked tall and her hair was the color of a brush fire seen through clouds of dust. I pulled in my chin and then walked over to the table.
1: Hello, Leopardi, old maestro. You remember me?
3: I'm sorry, I can't say that. Why, you... Dirty keyhole snooper.
2: King, please don't start anything again. You
3: left a certain little note in your hotel room last night. Get out. Right? time a dozen. That wasn't all. That dame with you I last night... It.
1: King, sit down. Peter, can take this with you.
3: <clears throat> There's not much snap in that punch, King. Would you like to try it again? I, uh, have had some drinks. I'll see you later when I'm okay. See you later, too, Dolores. After the floor show. I'm, uh... Sorry, Miss... Uh, Sit down. Uh,
2: You've made us conspicuous enough okay, as it now is. Now, wait a minute. Sit Look, down.
3: Get... All,
2: right.
3: All right. Thanks. That's you know, what I get for being a little gentleman and letting him pepper me without a comeback.
2: No, he's always spoiling for a fight.
3: You know, the king just can't control his dukes, can he? you
2: better have a drink.
3: All right. Folk with bitters.
2: <laughs> That's what I love about Hollywood. You meet so many eccentrics.
3: Yeah, but you see, I'm the kind of a guy who starts with a short beard and wakes up in Shanghai with a full beard. (laughs) (laughs) Is this on me or is it on you?
2: Well, that depends.
3: Well, how champagne? Mums cordon rouge, shall we say, huh? It's on you. It's on me. (laughs) Prope with betters.
2: (laughs) How did you get to know King Neil Party?
3: Oh, I just happened to throw him out of his hotel last night.
2: Oh, a house detective,
3: huh? No, no,
2: Philip Marlowe,
3: private investigator the General Tag. Oh? How did you happen to get to know the king?
2: I once sang in his band, but not for long. Well,
3: now, tell me, uh, would it be hard for a woman to get to him?
2: Only if he was surrounded by a wall of
3: fire. If the woman had a gun. Fire. Well, I found this threat note on his desk last night. It asked for $10,000 or else, and it signed her brother.
2: Well? <laughs> well? Yes. Yeah. A woman with a gun could get to him, and everybody would give her a great big hand.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I'll skip that Coke and bitters and say today,
2: thank you, Christabel. The name is Dolores. Oh, good afternoon, Miss Scurry. Kioza. Delores
3: Chiosa. Oh, Chiosa. Very well, Miss Kiosa. <laughs> Formal, aren't you? <laughs> so long, Dolores. So
2: long, Philip. If I hear of anything, I'll toss it your way.
3: The evening papers carried a squib about Marilyn Delorme found strangled in her Cord Street apartment. That was all dead end. Until about one o'clock in the morning when the telephone started having hysterics on my night table.
2: Hello? Yeah. Philip, this is Dolores. Dolores? Dolores? Oh, oh, yeah, sure. Would you yeah. come over to my place right away? Twenty-four, twelve, 12 Renfrew Street, below Fountain. Hey, wait a minute. It's the bungalow court. Mine is the last one in line. Well, sure, but
3: wait a minute. Well, what's the matter? Dolores, look for it. What's the matter?
2: King Leopardi is here, too. Me a party. You passed out of my den. It's absurd, isn't it?
3: Yeah. it's absurd. me. cost you 20 bucks.
2: All right, but hurry. Please hurry.
3: All right, I'll be right over. Phone calls in the dead of night. <sighs> I should have been a midwife.
2: Oh. Come in, Philip. I'm sorry I woke you at this hour. That's
3: okay. I always get up around this time, anyhow, to take my bitters and answer phone calls. Where is
2: he? Uh, may I have a cigarette? Sure. Thanks. All right? Where did you say it was, huh? In my den. Oh, Philip. Philip, he isn't drunk at all. Did you really think he was drunk? He's dead. What? The king is dead. Long live the. With my gun. <laughs> no. for you.
3: He wins the large cigar. Come on, let's go and look at him. <laughs>
1: We continue with The Adventures of Philip Harlow... ...starring Van Heflin... ...who appears by arrangement with Metro-Golden-Mare... ...producers of The Hucksters, starring Clark Gable.
3: (laughs) Delora showed me to the den in the back of the house... Trumpet man, King Leopardi was lying on the studio couch, large, smooth, and artificial-looking even in death. A small Mauser automatic hung loosely in his right hand. There was a bullet hole in his golden-yellow sport coat, right over his heart. Dolores, is this your gun? Uh,
2: yes. Someone gave it to me once, huh? I don't even know how to use it. Oh, no. I don't expect you or anyone to believe Uh, me.
3: Don't expect anything.
2: Just tell it. Well, I... I was out late. I sing at KFQC on a late 15-minute program. Agatha and I got home about 11.30. Who's Agatha? The cat? My maid. Hmm? I came into the den for some liquor and fizz water and... found him. Like that. I sent Agatha home so she wouldn't find him. Finally, I thought of calling you.
3: Well, he got in here.
2: How? I don't know.
3: Were you ever in love with him?
2: The king never loved anyone.
3: I asked if you loved
2: him. I hated everything about him. It's
3: even better to tell the cops that is, but Copacetti.
2: I can't help it. It's the truth.
3: Dolores, look. (laughs) Go on out in the other room and buy yourself a drink. I want to be alone here with tall, dead, and handsome. Go on now, huh? After Dolores had taken her white face out of that room, I could work better. I went through the king's pocket and found his key ring. One key fit very nicely in the lock of the back door. I went to the living room where Dolores was huddled against the arm of the Davenport trying to become a part of the pattern. Dolores, how long has Agatha been with you?
2: Two years. Mm-hmm.
3: Did she ever steal anything from you?
2: Small things. There are nylons now and then I... I didn't
3: mind what. Well, she sold a key to somebody. A key to this apartment.
2: Oh, what's the difference, Philip? We're wasting time. I'm done for as a nice person. So think it was a lover's quarrel and I shot him. Or that he shot himself over me.
3: Well, you don't die from the latter, though.
2: Your reputation does. And I care about what people think of me.
3: Yeah. Well, that's what makes me for you again, lady. Thanks. Now, let's suppose you give me a description of Agatha and tell me where she lives. I want to talk to her. Tonight. I drove down Brighton Avenue looking for the house Dolores had described to me. All at once I slammed on my brakes. In the driveway of a vacant house stood a small coop. Dolores had described Agatha's car and that was it. And Agatha did not live in an empty house. I got out and walked up the gravel driveway and looked into the car. And then I got back in my own car and drove until I found an all-night drugstore. I phoned Detective Lieutenant Ibera. Hello, Ibera. Write this down. Brighton Avenue, 3200 block west side. The driveway of Empty House car parked with dead woman in it, when alive, answered to the name of Agatha. Strangled. I went back to the Carlton Hotel where it all started the night before. Quillen, the head day clerk, was on night duty. That surprised me a little bit. It was 2 a.m. and very empty, very quiet and allowed. I was fine.
1: Well, if it is Marlowe, the old clues man. A good good morning, and tripe like that. Hello, Quillen.
3: Look, how come you're on duty?
1: Millard went on
3: vacation this a.m. Brother has a cabin at Crestline on the Arrowhead Road. I didn't even know he had a brother. Now you know. Quillen, look, how come an old hotel man like you registers cluesies like that Marilyn Delorme on the same floor with people like King Party. What? You heard me, my host.
1: I didn't register the girl or Party. Millard did. What? Huh? You heard me.
3: Well, why was the room between their rooms empty last night in times like these? Well, I had it marked on change. Plumbing out of whack or something. Why? Right? Uh-huh. Well, here's why a lad with a pass key could have gone into that room and then unlocked the two connecting doors. And then you could have run a bus service between the girls' room and Leopardi's.
1: What are you driving
3: at? That girl in eight eleven had a gun and Leopardi had a threat letter last night. Now here's what I want you to do. Call the hotel where Leopardi's staying now and ask if he's there. Why? Because Good enough. Best reason in the world. Wife always uses it. Wait here. In about three minutes, Quillen came back and leaned on the counter again. Leopardi isn't there. I talked to a guy in his suite who was almost sober. He said Leopardi got a call
1: about 11 from some girl. What girl? Well, he didn't know. But Leopardi went out preening himself. Hmm. Okay, thanks, Quillen. Anything to do with that brawl you had with
3: Leo party here last night? No, all in the spirit of boyish mayhem. Ah, that, uh, that 815 has a jinx on it, you know. Girl shot herself there two years ago. What? A girl shot herself there. Yeah, yeah, you said that,
1: but what girl? I don't know what her real name was.
3: Look here, Quillen, I want to see your hotel files of that day two years ago and all the newspaper clippings about it. Come on. All right,
1: all right, let go of my arm,
3: physical culture.
1: I'll get the keys to the record, room.
3: I read the hotel files of that day two years ago... and I read the newspaper clippings of that suicide in 815. Then I asked Quillen just where George Millar's brother had his cabin in the mountains. It was just getting light when I pulled up at the cabin... high against a growth of dagger pine and cedar. Smoke was curling from the chimney. Someone was awake. George Millar himself
1: opened the door... Marlow. Oh, Gee, it's good to see you. Huh? How'd you ever find us up here? How about some bacon and eggs? The answer
3: in my brief Marlowe morning manner is yes. Oh, that's well. I'll wake up my brother and we'll
1: all eat together. Huh? You don't have to wake me up. I'm up. Oh, oh hello, Garrett. There's your friend, George. Oh, Gaff, this is Philip Marlow. You've heard me talk of him.
3: Hi, Marlowe. Gaff Tally. That the name? Yeah, my brother.
1: That's his fighting name. He used to be a heavyweight boxer. Fighter. Boxers dance. Fighters fight. (laughs) Uh, Let's get coffee
3: started. Mama's hungry. Say, I've had a busy night. King party has been bumped off. Bumped off? Lowbrow for kill. Vernacular for murder. The king is dead.
1: Where? Uh, How?
3: In a girl's apartment. Nice girl, too. The old suicide gag. But it could ruin the girl. That's lousy. Yeah. Yeah, no, but it won't work. It was murder. What makes you think it was murder? Well, Gaff, the way I cased the job, the kill was supposed to have been pulled in his room 815 at the Carlton Hotel night before last. Is that a fact now? Yeah. I spoil it by giving the king the Mary heave hold before the girl in 8011 could get to him. Didn't I, George? I guess you did, Ma. Yeah. Of course, it would have been poetic justice if King Leoparty had been killed in the same room where a girl committed suicide two years ago, registered as Mary Smith. Usual name, Eve Talley. Did you hear that gaff tally? Eve Talley. I heard it, Milo. So he had a sister named Eve, shot herself in 8.15 at the cop, and so what? So, Joe told me that Quillen registered that professional gun girl in 8.15 night before last. Oh, no. George registered it. So? So, George kept the room between the girl and Leopardi vacant. Everything was quiet. He had opened the communicating doors, and Marilyn DeLorme would walk into the king's room, muffle her 25 in a pillow, and shoot the king in his sleep. How am I doing, boys? Fine, Marlon. How am I doing? Gas. Put away that gun. i bet you even checked on 118 Cord Street. Mm hmm. I found Marilyn DeLorme strangled. She knew too much. A few bucks you boys got Agatha to call Leoparty last night from the radio station, pretend she was Dolores, with an interesting invitation. King always had a yen for Dolores, and he came running. You shot the king before Dolores came home and left him in her den. Then Gaff got rid of Agatha. She
1: knew too much, too. Leoparty was the worst kind of a wreck, Marlowe. We loved our sister. She fell for him, and he threw her out. She well, What would you do, Marlowe? Take his gun, George. Don't get between us or behind him. This forty-five goes right on
3: through. I'll have to take your gun, model. We'll always treat it like your own, won't you, George? Got it, George? I've got it. Stand out of the way. Does it have to be this way, Gaff? Yeah, it has to be this way. You're George and Gaff, the avengers of innocent girlhood in their righteous indignation. Shut up, Marlowe. Lynch, mobs, tar and feather merchants, and other laws unto themselves take notice. George and Gaff, they wrote the book. Say hey, you. To the Gap,
1: there's been enough killing. Get out of No, Gap, way. I won't. I swear I'll let you have it. No, Gap. I'm warning you. Goodbye, Gap. I'm sorry, Gap. I had to do it. George. You're dead. I had to do it, Gap. I just had to... You understand, don't you, Marlowe? He was a killer. He killed three people. He wasn't going to kill a fourth... I wanted to finish Leopoldo up in the open and take what came, but Gav tried to do it. Judah, I didn't know Leopoldo was dead until you told me, Marlowe. I... I
3: believe you, George.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Here's your gun back, Marlowe?
0: It shoots
2: fine. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I put in a big pitch for George at headquarters. After all, he hadn't killed anybody except Gaff, and that was in self-defense and in defense of an unofficial copper named Marlowe. He won't go get off scot-free, but he won't inhale cyanide either at the taxpayer's expense. After I talked to Ibera at headquarters, I telephoned Dolores Chiosa. I didn't give her the sordid details, but just told her not to worry that she was in the clear.
2: Philip... Oh, thank you, Philip. I'm so relieved.
3: I'm so grateful. I'm so thirsty.
2: Well, come
3: on over then. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this fiesta on you or is it on me? Why? Well, I mean, do I drink Coke and betters or cordon rouge? It's on me. (laughs) All right, then champagne it is, baby. But look, let me bring the glasses,
2: huh? (laughs)
1: You have just heard Van Heflin starring in the new mystery series Raymond Chandler's The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. Brought to you by the Lever Brothers Company, makers of Pepsodent. Van Heflin will return in just a moment. Men, here's an important announcement. News about a sensational hair tonic discovery. It's trim hair tonic made by Pepsodent. For the first time, science has created a hair tonic with pure virgin olive oil. There's no finer hair and scalp conditioner. Yes, because it contains pure virgin olive oil... Trim Hair Tonic conditions your scalp as it grooms your hair. Get new Trim Hair Tonic during the big one-cent introductory sale at toilet goods counters now. Two 60-cent bottles, $1. twenty value, only 61 cents. Ask for Trim Hair Tonic with olive oil. Now, concerning next week's show, here's our star, Van Heflin.
3: Philip Marlowe crouched in the darkness of Beverly Glen and waited for those footsteps to come closer. And then all at once, the Sandman hit him, without bothering to remove the sand from the sandbag. And when Marlowe woke up in the morning, his wallet and his gun were gone, and he was wanted for murder.
1: The story was adapted by Milton Geiger from The King and Yellow by Raymond Chandler, creator of Philip Marlowe, the screen's most famous private detective. The original music was composed and conducted by Lynn Murray. This is Wendell Niles inviting you to listen again next week at the same time to another exciting mystery on the adventures of Philip Marlowe starring Van Heflin with a distinguished cast. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
0: Well, listeners, talk about an untimely death in today's episode. Two deaths, in fact. And a tragic ending, for one, even though there was plenty of opportunity to avoid it. Truly tragic. Mates, thank you so much for listening. Join me this Wednesday for a very special episode. Seeing as it's Halloween, it's going to be uniquely special, no surprises, other than you should join me on Wednesday and Friday. Now, listeners, if you want to help this show go from strength to strength, Join my Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash sfgt and you can support the show directly just like my legendary existing Patreon supporters. My first mega-supporter, my Ode Night T-Titan, delicious Maya, the queen of cats. Thank you so much Maya for being amazing. Thanks to you, I'm now using another unique and new microphone. I had the luxury of trying out this different mic now with different styles and the ability to produce a different kind of audio quality when I record. Thank you for supporting me like you do and being brilliant. I hope you're enjoying these new OTRs that I'm covering because it's thanks to you that I get to really showcase the quality in these episodes, even if they are severely damaged like the one you heard today. Cheers, Maya. My White Tea Warlord, Leslie Bauer, the man of power, thank you, Duty, for your support. I know how you love Halloween, mate, so I hope you're having a spooky week this week. Thank you so much for being your brilliant self and supporting this show. Today I'm using a plugin which repairs very, very old and damaged data. If you heard the original of this episode, it would be quiet, heavily warped, and really grainy. So thank you so much mate, because we're all benefiting from it. You're awesome. And Paige, the smartest sage. Paige, I got your email response, I cannot wait to read through it this week. An absolute pleasure to do so. Thanks to you mate, I'm able to record on this mic supported by your donations and I'm actually able to trial new software that I've been meaning to get my hands on. Thanks to you, I can now do that. An absolute joy. Thank you so much Paige, you're brilliant. And my amazing L-Grain forces I'm super duper lucky to have Joss Heather, Juicebox Andy, Peter Raffelli, Dolphin and Cow, Michelangelo Yacone, Divided by Zero, Leah Fasig, and Alia Arcane. Thank you all. And I cannot wait to sink my teeth into Wednesday's episode. Thank you, you legends. And to my patrons, keep an eye out for a little surprise heading your way. Cheers, mates, and stay brilliant. And as always, till next we meet.